Everybody and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host LJ Hero, and as always, I am joined by Connor Donald. Connor, that opening, I love when David Akers goes off in Dallas during the draft. I'm not gonna lie. One one of the that. one of the best memories that we probably will ever have, especially from a draft perspective. Yeah, it was right after the Eagles <laughs> won the Super Bowl too. So, like, it's not like Dallas fans. Could be like, well, you guys have never won anything, blah blah blah. No, but no, that was that when that comes up during our opening, I love it. Um, you know, before we get started, just want to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54 and follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And as always, follow our partners at the Painted Lines at the Painted Lines and you know, search go to paintedlines.com uh, on YouTube, search the Painted Lines. <clears throat> um, and as always, we appreciate them bringing us on and you know. We, we can bring our Eagles knowledge to everybody that's listening. Um, and if you're listening to us in podcast form, please rate and review the show, uh, whether it's Spotify, uh, Apple, you know, all the different podcast era ways of listening to us. So, Connor, the, it's been a while since we've been together, but Eagles really aren't doing much of anything. Yes, there's OTAs, but the Eagles aren't doing anything in OTAs. They're not, they're not doing full team. They're doing seven on sevens. Um, and like, so when when you hear all the things about, oh, Jalen Hurts was 10 of 11, threw two touchdowns. If you can't hit 10 of 11 and seven on seven, you, if, you, if you can't throw the ball, if you can't get rid of the ball in a timely manner, you shouldn't be in the NFL. So I don't want to hear it. Look, we all know that this season, which we all, and again, I, I think I say this a lot, going into last season, we, we said last year was the year we needed to find out if Jalen Hurts was going to be the guy. I don't know if we really got that. Um, and this this is definitely the season. We you know we talk about it time and time again. What the Eagles have done to the roster, they have put pieces around Jalen Hurts. He's got to figure it out. I don't care if he's ten of eleven on you know in an OTA practice where you know you're, you're doing seven on sevens. You're, you, a you don't have pads on. B you don't have a, a line coming at you. That's where I can't wait for training camp. Um, but look, the one thing I do like about this team right now is they actually like each other. They hang out a lot. I mean, I've seen um, a bunch of, you know, stuff from the Philadelphia Eagles social media. They, they've gone bowling together. Um, Devontae Smith held his softball event, charity event, had a bunch of Eagles players there. Uh, A.J. Brown won the home run derby, beating Micah Parsons. Uh, so, you know, that's the first Philadelphia over Dallas uh, win of the season that I'll take. Um, but the, the camaraderie between the team, the team, you know, that can't be overlooked. You don't want a team going in where like it's, it's all individuals and then they go into the season and you expect them to play as a team. This all season is important while they're not doing it on the football field because well, Nick Sirianni and the Eagles just don't feel like that they need it. That's a different story for a different day. Um, I'm, I'm, I like that, you know, as much as, 
this area doesn't like the Boston Celtics. Devontae Smith, a huge Boston Celtics fan, took uh, took Avante Maddox, Darius Slay. Uh, they had a big a bit, Brandon Graham. They had a big group go to a, a Eastern Conference final game in Boston. Wouldn't shock me if they go to a finals game when it when it goes to Boston. So like just the fact that they have all the guys together and the camaraderie of the team. I, I mean that's a good look and that's going to pay dividends going into the season. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think an even bigger discussion point is the fact of how close A.J. Brown already was to Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. our superstar wide receiver, pretty much trained with Jalen Hurts every offseason. He, there, there wasn't much to build there. And now he's talking Devonta Smith up and he's like, Devonta Smith is a number one facing number twos. He's like, he's going to he's going to eat this year. He he's like. AJ Brown is saying I wouldn't be surprised if he was the number one wide receiver because he gets to go up against the twos where Devonta or where AJ Brown likely attracts the double teams, likely attracts a CB1 focus. Likely he's the guy who's going to take a lot of the eyes away from Devonta Smith. And Devonta Smith is going to feast because of that, which is so exciting to hear because I actually agree with that sentiment the whole way through. Because Devonta Smith is a wide receiver one the way that he runs routes incredible he is such a flawless route runner and the space that he creates he redefined caring about size at the wide receiver position if you can create separation how you create separation doesn't really matter it's the prospect of being able to create it at the nfl level and devonta smith has proved that time and time again last year he he got himself open he was facing double teams he was doing all that he could uh, last season and I think that he can be used in the way that they tried to use him last season like in the deeper game more of the true x receiver type play I think he can actually be that guy if the focus is not on him double teams all the time with the safety watching over top and the number one CB on you I definitely think that I would agree with AJ Brown and his sentiments um in regards to Jalen Hurts, I mean, there's people saying he's changed how he throws. There's people saying he his deep ball looks so good. Listen, we want to see progress, so that's good. And I'm, I'm all for progress, whether it's in 7-on-7s, seven 11-on-11s, sevens, 11 pads, no pads. I'm all for any type of progress. So this is good. I like the progress, but I think people have to pump the brakes on thinking that things aren't going to change drastically with pads on 11-on-11 and the pressure that they're putting on your wide receivers, your running backs, your tight ends, the quarterback, everything changes once the pads are on and hidden is allowed. So, I mean, I'm fully in agreement. Say, you know, it's good to see progress. We like to see progress. If his deep ball is getting better, I don't care how it's getting better. That, that progress is progress for me because that deep ball was a major issue last season. Anticipation was a major issue last season. There was a lot of things to be concerned about. So I'm mixed on what to think, but I think that people are taking this too much as we're seeing what we need from Jalen Hurts or the changes already. We knew Jalen Hurts worked his ass off. We knew he was a hardworking guy. He was a focused guy. He would work to improve his game. I want to see it when we hit training camp and we see the 11 on 11s, we see the pads on and we see him slinging it. I mean, Darius Say said great things. Devonta Smith said great things. AJ Brown said great things. He's still beating whatever type of coverage he's seeing in seven on seven. So there's a reason for optimism, but I am going to uh, maybe less than ULJ. I'm going to pump the brakes a bit, 
but uh, I know you oh, want to see a lot from you want to see a lot from the breaks. I'm going back to what when we got um, Sam Bradford and the first preseason game against Green Bay started the game like 11 of 11, and everybody was like, we, we, and this was under Chip Kelly, and everybody was like, oh my god, we're gonna have the greatest offense ever. And yeah, I mean, Sam, Sam obviously Sam Bradford wasn't a great quarterback, but like I'm I want to see it in in game action. And again, you know, the first couple of games for the Eagles aren't that. I mean, you have the the Detroit on the road. And then Minnesota on Monday night. So, like, I don't know when we're going to see that, you know. And I, but I just want to see – I, I want to see in, in action against a different team. And obviously we're going to have to wait some time. Who knows how much action and how much playing time they're going to get in, come preseason. Because um, preseason we – we, we, we know that pre, preseason doesn't mean much anymore. If, I mean, if you ask Sirianni, they didn't play any – barely played any of the starters last year. Um, and – they were pretty healthy throughout the year, so that tells me that this preseason you're not going to see many of the starters. Um, it wouldn't shock. No, and, and listen, I do respect it because it seems like the strategy worked. Mm-hmm. As much as we sit there and we might be frustrated, we're watching the OTAs of other teams. They're going eleven on eleven. They're playing. They're going full tilt. But I mean, Sirianni came in with a different focus for the team, and he didn't want injuries to continue to be a focus, which they were for what like four years, five years before this. So I do respect his approach as long as when he does have the starters involved, he's seeing the progress he wants to see. I do become concerned that there's rest early on in weeks one and week two. And we talked about it on the schedule release show a couple weeks back. Those first six weeks mean a lot more. Those weeks before the bye mean a lot more than most of this season because they are the games that they need to win that they can come out as a 4-2, 5-1, 6-0 team if we really want to go to that extent. They are the team that can get a fast start, an aggressive start. So I don't want to see the rest in the first two games and come out 0-2 or 1-1 and be really frustrated with the look of the team. I, I am one to avoid injury because we've seen the injuries destroy and derail our season before but I do want to make sure that the rest is not there when we need to be at the top of our game early on this season. You're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. Um, it's just tough. The, the new age, this isn't like back in the Andy Reid days when, you know, he had two a days up in Lehigh. And I remember going, I remember going up to Lehigh. I do. I won't lie. I do miss those, those times go, going to the Lehigh Valley and um, or going to Lehigh university and, and watching the Eagles you know, in the morning, staying, you know, while they ate lunch and then coming back in the, while the, the sun's at, at its peak, um, you know, on, on the practice fields there in full pads. And he was, had no mercy for that. I, I, I do miss that a little bit. Um, obviously, the game has changed um, with the concussions and, and just being, you know, trying to stay physically physically healthy. Um, but, but we'll see how things go. Um, I mean, I, once they get through the OT, I think they can have up to like either 10, like, 10, 11, 12, whatever OTA practices. And he was only having six. That's, I mean, that that does worry me a tad bit just because we're, they're not going to be out there together. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, you know, they, they go out and, and do stuff as, as a team, you know, whether it's going bowling, Devontae Smith's, um, you know, event, um, the, the softball game, like they, they do have a lot of the teammates together. But when you're not on the field, you have to have, have that, that communication. You have to have that where – where Devontae Smith, well, I'll, I'll use it, where A.J. Brown is going to be thinking what Jalen Hurts is thinking as he's throwing the ball so that just like when you watch Aaron Rod- when you watched Aaron Rodgers and um, 
<clears throat> Devontae Adams. They were thinking the exact same thing on the field. Aaron Rodgers, could, before the snap, could look at Devontae Adams. He knew exactly – he knew that he was going to throw a back shoulder fade, and that's where – and the ball was going to be where it needed to be for Devontae Adams. I don't know if they're, if if uh, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts are going to be able to get that throughout, the, throughout training camp and going into the preseason because they're not going to play a lot. If they play at all in the preseason, it'll be a couple of drives. That's about it because um, we know how Sirianni, you know, feels. They're going to want to get Minshew some tape if they're thinking about trading them, or they're going to want to see if Carson Strong can be that backup quarterback. So you're going to see a lot of the a lot of the backups, um, which isn't a surprise going into preseason. But like, I still have that bad taste in my mouth of the wild card game. The Eagles were down thirty-one nothing going into the fourth quarter. When the Eagles needed to run the ball, they couldn't run the ball, and and this is a, the number one rushing offense in the league. The Eagles are going to have to be able to pass the ball, which is something I have said time and time and time again to win in the NFL. You have to be able to pass the ball, and I and I don't know right now if the Eagles are able to do that. Um, you know, that's why the Eagles always, and we talk about this a lot, always try to go out and get a quarterback. That's why they traded up for Carson Wentz because they thought Carson Wentz was going to be that guy, and he looked like it for two years before the injury, and then he just had a mental meltdown here. Um, you know, so we'll see how how that goes. I just hope that that not being on the practice field as much as they can be doesn't inhibit, you know, doesn't restrict them going forward when it comes to, you know, just trying to be, be on the same page, whether, you know, it's, it's the, that new, the, the, you know, James Bradbury and, and a new safety. Like we know Bradbury is good. He, individually he's good, but he hasn't played in this system yet. You know, N'Kobe Dean, are we going to see him hit somebody and see how his shoulder and pec hold up? Like, because there was all that talk during the draft, and that's why he, he he dropped. And while I don't think anything is going to be wrong with him, I just want to make sure that it's literally not wrong with him. Like, I, I don't want to get mm-hmm. to the Detroit game, and he goes and tries to hit the Andre. He goes and hits the Andre Swift, and he's not getting up, or his arm is limp, and he's got to go and have the surgery. Then, like, I don't want to find that out week one of the regular season. Quick shout out to Jay Talco for life. He says, "Yo, welcome aboard, my friend." Um, for me. That was one of the things that I think was actually taken as the biggest overreaction um, was the concern for N'Kobe Dean not being out with the starters this past couple days of practice. There's, But you would be shocked to see the amount of people who are actually freaking out about it. Like, why is he not out there? This is a guy who just got drafted to the team. He's brand new. He had his injury concerns, obviously. He's still getting better after the pec injury that, that was the focus of the draft and his fall. He's learning a new defense. He's coming into the NFL. This isn't college football anymore. This isn't the Georgia defense. This is the Philadelphia Eagles defense with Jonathan Gannon. I fully expected Kaiser White and TJ Edwards to get the look or Kaiser White, TJ Edwards and Davian Taylor, who isn't, I don't think he's healthy yet. So like I fully expected those guys to get the first initial look, but come training camp, if by the end of training camp, you don't see Nakobe Dean running with the first team defense, that is when you worry about that. And the other thing was seeing Marcus Epps and Anthony Harris name side by side as a starter still stresses me out at the safety position. They neither like Marcus Epps did not play. I think I, lo- I was looking at it a while back. Marcus Epps didn't even play like 60% of snaps in any game last season. He might have won one or two occasions. And actually, I believe it was none of our safeties played 65% of snaps in a game themselves. That's concerning. 
Because you are basically saying it seems like they want Marcus Epps to be that guy who can be an 85, 90, 95% of snaps player, Malcolm Jenkins of prior years. But I'm concerned because you would have wanted to see the trend last year. As the season was coming to an end, you would have wanted to see him eating into Rodney McLeod's time, eating into Anthony Harris's time. But instead, you weren't seeing that. And that's concerning to me because like, I understand is, is the need of a safety and overreaction. I see a lot of people say Marcus Epps is good. Anthony Harris is good. My concern is with the number three, the rotational guy, that key rotational guy who was Marcus Epps last season. We don't have that. Kevon Wallace, Andre Chicher, like Reed Blankenship, the UDFA. There's nothing there. The, the three and the four, screw just the three. The three and the four are a mess. That is so concerning for me that we're staring down so, a situation where we don't have – if there's an injury, we are done at safety. Like, so I, I actually feel like while Avante Maddox is probably one of the better slot corners in the, in the league, we know he can play safety. They also brought in Jimmy Moreland who also can play that slot. And I'm not saying he's as good as Avante Maddox, but when you have um, – Slay and Bradbury on the outside, if they do what you know they, they, they're expected to do, if Moreland can prove to be that guy, they may move Avante Maddox back to safety. And he could mm-hmm. play because because again, he can play up, he can play up on a, on, a, on a receiver in the slot. He probably can play in the box. He's kind of an, an all right hitter. So it wouldn't shock me if that happened. Um, they, I mean, again, they obviously want to see what they have with Epps and what they have with um, Harris. We have to remember how he does hasn't really, or how he in the past brought people in late, brought people in during training camp, brought people up in during preseason. So I mean, there are a couple, there are guys that are still available. Like Kevin King could probably play some safety. I I, he, I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but I mean, he could. I'm not saying that that's who they're going to go after. Landon Collins is available again. I'm not high on Landon Collins as a safety. I don't think he's that good anymore. I think he's more of in the box, but he's available. Um, so there's still a bunch of guys available. And then you think about it. That there's still, and again, I don't think it's going to happen. But the Cincinnati Bengals need help at line. We have a we have a good depth at line. Andre Dillard, a, tra- a part of a trade package, and again, it wouldn't just be straight up, but like as a part of a trade package for Jesse Bates type. You go out and you trade for Jesse Bates, and again, I don't think it's going to happen. But it, until he signs with the Bengals, it's going to be the talk because we know how aggressive Howie Roseman is, and the way that he has structured this team, it's all go now. You know, mm-hmm. this is a team that they, they they're going to they're looking to win the division. Um, they want to get a home playoff game, and if and obviously if you can get a home playoff game, anything can happen. Um, I don't. I mean, and Howie, I think Howie's not going to allow that position, that safety position, kind of. While he doesn't like to spend big money on it, I don't know if he's going to let it be a deterrent to them winning the division. If if the Bengals call and say, "Look, we need help on the line," you have Andre Dillard. I don't think you know. We don't think that we're going to be able to sign Jesse Bates. He's not going to sign this franchise tag. Can we work something out? You know, or you know, if Howie does, if Howie calls them and say, "Hey, you guys, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the deal is with Jesse Bates, but I like him. I think I he can help our football team. We have the the funds available. We we, we want to give him the contract that he's looking for. What can we do? Um, it wouldn't shock me if that happened. And again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me if if that's a thought. Something that's going through the thought process of Howie Roseman right now. He knows this isn't a complete mm-hmm. football team. The offense is close to complete. Obviously, the quarterback position is a huge question mark, but it's close to complete. 
Um, defensively, the front, the, the the line is pretty damn complete. I think with with the young guys we brought in and Hassan Reddick. Um, the corners, I, the three corners are complete. I think they're the, the, definitely a, as a duo with Bradbury and Slay or Slay and Brad, Bradbury going one and two. I don't know if there's a better duo in the league. They're, if they're not one, they're definitely top three. Um, you know, the linebackers are a question mark only because it's a lot of young guys there. They brought in Kaiser White. He's still so he's still young. TJ Edwards is young, and obviously Nicobe Dean, who I don't I'm not worried right now playing second team. You know, even if it's not week one, he is definitely going to play and and be on the field a lot by week three. By the first within the first month of the season, he's going to be a starter wearing that green dot on defense if it's not week one. Um, then it comes down to the safeties. You're not going to allow that position to be the deterrent. If you can make a move somewhere to to improve it, I think Howie will, will because we know how aggressive he is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you bring up a lot of good points there. And to me, N'Kobe Dean, like I said, that that's definitely nothing of concern to me. <laughs> I think at the end of the day with N'Kobe Dean, it's going to be adjustment phase. It's going to be time to get ready for the NFL level, make sure that peck is good to go and that everything's going to hold up. And there's a there's a realistic chance, like you were kind of saying, that Nicobe Dean might not see 75 plus percent of the snaps right off the bat. I think that's a very realistic scenario where they ease him into it or where there's a heavy rotation at the linebacker position, especially if you're showing three, four looks more or four, three looks. It all depends what you need for personnel on that football field. And um we know Anthony Harris, or at least when I was looking at how his splits were, he moved into the box a lot. He could be like that fourth linebacker in a lot of situations as well because he moved down and played that role like the Malcolm Jenkins, but like severely discounted Malcolm Jenkins last year type role. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't be worried about that. I think you're going to see a lot of players. You, but There might even be a point that some people get frustrated with how people are being moved in and out and used because I think that Jonathan Gannon, now with the personnel or the majority of personnel in place, is going to play a very different type of game where there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of in moving this guy in, moving that guy out. Lots of different sub packages. There's going to be some nickel. There's going to be some dime. There's going to be three, four. There's going to be four, three. I think like we're going to see such a different, like we were, there, there was reports coming out of camp that he was showing five, two looks and he had, and he had Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave all in the middle and then edges on the outside. Like, the looks are going to be so flexible. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe people get frustrated early on with Dean's usage, but that's just the way it is to acclimate him to the league, to shore up that peck, to make, to get the different looks on defense. And eventually he'll take over as that full-time linebacker or one of the full-time linebackers without a doubt. In regards to Jesse Bates, I mean, I think anything, the deadline will be set at training camp. I think that's basically it because that's when you start forfeiting money. You start getting in trouble with the team if you're not showing up to those, and that's the deadline. That's where things, the moving parts are going to start going, and Jesse Bates is going to say, no, I'm not showing up. I'm not signing that franchise stake. I'm not showing up. Trade me. I'll pay whatever fines and penalties you want to do because we know from the past, like look at Aaron Rodgers, you don't charge those fines to a guy you want on your team. 
they just it's a look it's just a look and a lot of teams probably don't even actually charge those fines because at the end of the day they don't want to burn a bridge of getting that guy back on the roster so that is the big that's the breaking point training camp is he signed is he not signed does he show up does he not show up and then we can really start talking because then maybe we at that point see like how he sees what he has at the safety position and he sees a need like we see it or maybe how he's comfortable and he says i got you know we'll dive into this isaac samalu i got i got uh andre dillard i got a couple little offensive line pieces and some draft capital that i might be able to leverage i want jesse bates who knows what he could leverage at that time you said they need offensive line help what team would say no to the chance of two offensive linemen come into the fold like that, that can play like Sam Muller can play quarterback like Joe Burrow who got killed last year. Exactly. Exactly. Especially and Isaac Sam can play both guards and center. We've seen it. He he's a very flexible piece. He was kind of like Ali Pulivati Vitae and he went off and well, you don't hear his name a whole lot. He he's far from his effective landing in, in a, one <laughs> spot. And yeah, being in Detroit obviously doesn't help that case either. But, like, that's going to be the breaking point. Like, anybody expecting something to happen between Jesse Bates and the Bengals and if the Eagles are in on it or not before training camp, I'm sorry, but you won't hear anything until the lead-up right up to training camp, maybe the day he's supposed to report. Because that's usually when, they're like, the tires start going and things start moving along there. Um, I do want to get to the offensive line, though. You did kind of uh, briefly touch on it. Isaac Samalu, it sounds like he's going to get every chance to earn that right guard role, despite the $5 million in potential savings that do exist there. It sounds like they're going to give him the chance, despite, you know, there's Jack Driscoll, there's Jack Anderson, there's Cam Jurgens. There's a lot of guys there that could take that role. Um, it all depends on, you know, how does Samalu look? Is he healthy? Is he good to go? And from everything that came out early on, it looks like they're going to give him every chance to win that role and that he's healthy. So, I mean, outside of that Isaac Samalu, is there anything that you're watching along that offensive line? Not really. I mean, the offensive line is almost pretty much set besides that right guard spot. Um, and again, it's hard to determine how, like, who's going to be worthy of that spot when you don't have pads on. So hard mm -hmm. to determine that against air or in shorts. You need to have pads on, especially at the line, both line positions. That's where. You're you're battling. You're going one on one. You gotta you gotta be able to be uh, if you're an offensive lineman, protect against a bull rush, protect against a swim move, um, and whatnot. Um, so it's so tough to, to to decide. I mean, it's probably going to be Isaac Sayamalu. Um, you know, having given up Nate, Nate Herbig or not, you know, not bringing Nate Herbig back or releasing him, whatever. You know, it's, it's tough to give up so many quality quality offensive linemen. Um, you know, and, and we know how the Eagles have built that depth along the offensive line over the last couple of years because of the injuries. Um, you know, and they're not on that right side. They're not that. Young. I, I mean, at the center position, obviously with Kelsey and that right tackle with Lane Johnson, they're not that young. The left side is. I'm excited to watch the left side. That's for sure. Them, them young pups over there. They're going to dominate the left side for years to come. Um, but it doesn't shock me that it's Isaac Sayamalu. I mean, I think that it's probably going to. Or it'll probably be him, but if not him, probably Driscoll. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they had tried out Cam Jurgens there, but you wouldn't want to get Cam Jurgens hurt, um, especially if, if something were to happen potentially down the line to Jason Kelsey. 
It's um, just the we'll prospect of Evan Jurgens. Like, imagine you come into the league, you know, they based on draft capital and investment and the need at the center position for life after Kelsey, you know, you're going to be playing, you know, you're going to be taking over, you know, you're like the Jason Kelsey light. You're like a clone. Basically, when you look at the scouting reports, he's athletic. He's got his flaws, obviously, but the biggest thing is he, he's athletic. He can move quickly. That's exactly what Kelsey kind of was like drafted a lot later, but nonetheless, very much what Kelsey was like. And imagine the opportunity to get to play beside him for a full like 16, 17 game schedule, a playoff run. But I also like to think of how important it is for him to watch the game to get used to the game, to get used to the offensive line and seeing the center position instead of playing the guard so position beside My him. only fear, and I guess it's not a fear because it's probably a good a good problem to have, is you might run into a situation like Dickerson last year. Everybody thought Dickerson was the center of the future, played left guard and was dominant. And they're like, yeah, you know, we really don't want to move him from left guard. So we kind of have to bring back Kelsey. I know he wants to come back. He had fun. So, like, we'll do it. We'll give him that $14 million and whatnot. Like if the same thing could potentially happen to Jurgens, he goes to right guard and is dominant at right guard. And they're like, you know, we might not want to move him from right guard. Kelsey, you want to come back for another year? We'll draft another center this year. <laughs> and then it'd be like, here we go again. Like, I, I don't know how, how many years we can go through that. But obviously, as a second round pick, you don't want your, in theory, you don't want your second round pick sitting. Um, I and mean, if, he, if he's the best at right guard, you want the best five out there protecting your quarterback to give him the best mm -hmm. chance. You put him at right guard. You don't. You, I don't think you you sit there and think, well, you know, we can draft him as a center. Well, he's the best right guard. We don't want. Now nah, you play him. It is what it is. You play him, and then you, you deal with the ramifications later. Agreed. Like at the end of the day, what we saw with Herbig, we don't want a guy who can't snap a football. If you can snap a football and adequately block, and you're well insulated by the best left left side of the offensive line in the league. And if Jurgens comes in and plays super well, and then you got one of the best right sides in the league, you're well insulated. If you have to go with a guy like, you know, Jack Anderson jumps like off me. the I board as somebody. Sounds like me. I, I mean, when I played center, I was good at snapping. I may have took a, a, my step a little late. I may have missed a block here and there, but if I have the, the two guys on the side of, or the guys on the side of me that, that, that Kelsey does or whoever would be playing in center does, I wouldn't have an issue with that either. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like, if you get to the point where Jurgens Jergen, plays and he does really well, and now, oh wow, look, we got four amazing offensive linemen, cornerstones for the future. At least, I mean, Lane Johnson, he may be coming to the tail end, but like, you're you're talking like three to five years that you got this set in stone minus the center position. To go back to the well at the center position is not the end of the world again. Of course, it's probably a position if you're looking at it and you're well insulated like that, it might be one of the easier positions to address rather than the other ones, especially now that you've got your tackles down. Though That's the biggest one. It feels like the more into the line you go, the harder or the easier it gets to replace those people. So like I said, like we watched her big snap horribly. And block, and then that throws the whole blocking off. It just throws everything off. If you have a guy who can really well can do a really good job of snapping the football and can adequately block and is well insulated, you might be able to let Kelsey finally retire, or Kelsey might feel comfortable continuing to come back because he's so well insulated with the people around him. But I mean, for now, 
Jurgens is the center of the future. You hope that it remains that way. If he gets a shot at right guard and he's the best right guard, like you said, it is what it is. You you honestly have to roll with the punches and take what is going to allow you to have the best 53 men on that field. And if Cam Jurgens comes in and he is the best right guard in that room of a number of guys, guys who can play right guard, left guard, center, they can play all over the line. And if he ends up being that guy, and he beats out Sam Malu, he beats out Driscoll, he beats out Anderson, and that's where he's the best fit. That's where he's the best fit, and that's just a reality that we may have to live with. But for now, I think Sam Malu will get the number one chance, and I do think Driscoll's going to get a really good chance at it too, so long as he can stay healthy. That's been Driscoll's biggest issue. He is so good. He is so effective on that right side, whether being a replacement tackle or whether being a replacement guard. But even last year when we didn't have as many injuries, he just couldn't stay healthy. I don't know what it is. Some people are just bound to be stuck to having like an injury. I don't want to say prone because that would involve the injury being the same thing over and over again or one injury causing another injury because of overcompensation and stuff. So I'm not prepared to say Driscoll's injury prone, but he may be a guy who's just prone to injury. And that that's a reality. There are some players who come into this league and that that's the reality we have to live with. They just get injured a lot. Paris Campbell shoots off the page to me as a wide receiver who's just had such bad luck with injuries. Almost none of the injuries are to the same part of the body and the guy hasn't been able to get right and get healthy. It just happens. It, it just happens. But hopefully Driscoll can get right. I would prefer the $5 million. And that's mostly because I would prefer more money for next season, creating a better situation for next season. So if Sam Malu can go because you have faith in Driscoll, you love Anderson. Anderson was a mean man last year when he played. He had a great mentality. He has that Eagles mentality. If Jurgens is fine there as well, you got LaRaven Clark there. You're ready to just say, okay, I think we can move on from Sam Malu. That's that's five five and a half million dollars in your back pocket that you can carry over to next year, or you could leverage. And it, if a bait deal so happens to be on the table, you could look at that because it gives you more money for this year. So I'm not I'm really up, worried I'm up about for anything. Five, I'm not worried about that five million dollars only because the cap's going to go up a bunch next year anyway. And it'll go up like twenty million dollars. Yeah, it, it, it it's still going to go up, but I mean, the cap is still a myth in my opinion. If the rate if the Rams can keep signing all these players um, and not cut many. I mean, yeah, they traded Robert Woods, but he's coming off an injury. So, like, the cap doesn't matter to me. You can make what it about, work. Uh, what about – you did kind of touch on the cornerback position, and I'm really intrigued to know what you think about what about life after Bradbury and what about life after Slay. And, I mean, I know that the underlying hope is that we – Hurts is the guy, Hurts is the answer, and we probably go to the cornerback well in the first round next season. The board didn't fall right this season. It's life. But what about what uh, with what's there, with what exists on the roster? Is there any names that stand out to you as like, this guy should make the tail end of the roster and be given a chance because I think he has the best upside to support the departure um, or injury of one of these guys in the future? Well, I mean, I think Zach McPherson makes the team. Yes. Like the fourth. Yeah. I'm intrigued by Mario Goodrich and and, and Josh Job. I actually th- uh, think one or both could actually make the team as an undrafted. Um, Tate Gowan, um, I think, has a chance to make the team. But and, and I know that they spent like lower round draft picks, but like the Kerry Vincents and 
um, Mac McCain, um, Josiah Scott, who they traded a draft pick to Jacksonville for. Um, those guys, I don't think they make it. Um, I think a couple of them could end up on the practice squad, but I'm, um, I think McPherson is close to a lock to make the roster. That would be four corners. Um, and, and again, it'll depend on how many you keep. If they see Maddox as a corner, or and, and, and Moreland, I think, makes the team. So, like, so we know it's Slay, we know it's Bradbury, we know it's Maddox. There's three. I think Moreland would make four. McPherson makes five. How many do they keep? Um, do they keep I six? think I think I almost am of the belief they might combine the safety and cornerback spot and say we are keeping six total because there's a there's like when you look at scouting reports on a guy like Mario Goodrich, there's a lot of scouts who believe he's better off at safety. So maybe they combine the position because and say well, we're going to keep ten also, in this area. You can also include Devontae in that. Like the defensive line room, they have a defensive end room, they have a defensive tackle room, then they have a defensive end line outside linebacker room. Mm-hmm. Like they, they did that. So if they do, if they combine that where you have a, a guy that can play both that 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 you know is flexible that way. Avante Maddox, Mario Goodrich, could be that that type of player. Um, Maybe even a Josh Joe. I think I mean Josh Joe played outside at Alabama. I wasn't the biggest Job fan. I mean, being an Alabama fan, I hate it. Job, it felt like Job got beat a lot. Obviously, it helps when you have a Patrick Sertan on the other side, and uh, you have a, you have a bunch of they had Kool Aid McKinstry this year on the like you have a bunch of really good guys uh, on the other side. You're going to be picked on a lot at Alabama. Like, um, and I'm not saying Job is bad. I just think that he he actually has that mentality where. He could probably play safety. He could play corner. Um, but, it, again, it just wouldn't shock me if, if if those two undrafted guys actually made the team. And, again, Scott, McCain, Vincent. Um, there's just yeah, I, just, I find it an uphill like, we, battle We talk about it a them. lot. There's a lot of quantity over quality. And yes. I think that that's more true towards the back end of the depth chart at cornerback because, obviously, Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, Moreland to a little lesser extent, like they're they're all pretty good. Uh, McPherson to a lesser like they all could McPherson I think it's just draft capital like you know how in his draft capital he doesn't want to give up on a guy who he spent I think McPherson was round three right so he doesn't want to give up on a first day one day two draft capital that easy we're seeing it with Jalen Reger we're seeing it with JJ Ortega Whiteside the man I think Ortega Whiteside gets cut this year and I think a good chance Reger might also well it'll the, the regular thing is weird because you have Brown, you have Smith, you have um, Quez who they like. He's your you wide pa- receiver five, five, and he has to bring something. That's why, like, I, I, don't want him, I don't want him playing special teams. So, like, no draft no. capital be damned if he's not good enough to make the team. He's not making the team. That's my opinion. He, he it only makes sense if they keep six wide receivers, and even then, it's like five and six need to have special teams value. They mm. need to be able to do so. That's why when I wrote my piece a couple weeks ago, and I put Britton Covey as the yes to keep, that's because he can provide something on special teams. That Jalen Wegger's been given the chance two years in a row to do that. So then, otherwise, after Britton Kobe, I almost would prefer Greg Ward. He's got limited return potential, but he's got some return potential. He's trustful. He's old trustful. You you, you know you can throw him the football. He's going to do something with the football when it's in his hands. 
He's had a season where he had 50 catches. He's had a season where he had eight, seven catches, and three of them were touchdowns. Like, you know that you can have a bit of faith in Greg Ward. You can't have faith in Gregor. You've tried Gregor outside. You've tried him in the slot. You've tried him on the end of rounds. You've tried him in bubble screens. You've tried him at nauseum at everything that you could possibly give him in the NFL. And that's why in my article I said a change of scenery for both is needed is necessary has to happen like you said draft capital be damned it's just time for both parties and i even wrote in my article you know this is a chance to get right because we heard the rumors about last season his mental health not being right because he lost his best friend he just lost another best friend and that's not an excuse for i for from our side or for him but it's like this guy's just having bad luck. This guy just needs to change his scenery. Maybe it's like the ghost of Philadelphia draft past. Maybe it's just something that, you know, he has to get a change of scenery, a new team, a new opportunity, and you take whatever capital you can get. If it's a, if the best you're getting is a fifth or a sixth back, so, so be it. So be yeah, it. Dave, Dave, let's see, he hopes that they trade, can trade Rager for anything, then keep Covey and Ward. I don't know during draft time there was that talk, potential talk of, Rager getting traded to the Ravens in a potential Chuck Clark move, um, which would have helped the safety position. Um, but it's it's so hard. Like, again, I don't think Rager should make the team. Um, unfortunately, Howie, for some reason, is like, yeah, you know, we spent this. Who cares about draft capital? Who cares if he's not good enough to make the team? This is, I would get it if this was a young team and we weren't expected to do anything. But there, the expectations are we're going for the division this year. The expectations are we're going to try to win a playoff game or two. Does Rager help you do that? And I don't think so. If, yeah, if we're the Falcons play, or we're the Lions, okay, keep them around because we're not doing anything in the next couple seasons. Mm-hmm. But th- now you need these spots. These are all important. If you're going to keep five, if you're going to keep a six or a seventh wide receiver, which would be crazy if they kept seven. But even to think about keeping six when you have to decide what are we going to do at the tight end position. How many running backs are we going to keep? Like you, as you go down the line, the, the offensive line depth, you always see them keep a excess of offensive linemen just because they like the depth. They, the injury history has been there. The injury history exists with some of these guys. To me, it's like you're sitting there and you're staring down. Where can we afford to cut back? Look at quantity over quality at the cornerback and safety position. You can easily see 10, 11, maybe 12 guys being kept between the defensive back room. So, like, do we keep a six wide receiver? And what do we want that six wide receiver to look like on our roster? Jalen Reger, you have given an opportunity, like I said, literally everywhere's on the field except tight end. You have let, and he's played slot, he's played in line, he's played side by side with Dallas Goddard. At the running back position against Dallas last year than as a receiver. My only thing is, let's be real. If the Eagles keep wide, six wide receivers and it comes down to the sixth wide receiver being the difference, we're screwed. <laughs> That's all I will say about that. Like, if, if something yes. happens to Brown and Smith and Quez and Pat, like, if we get down to where we need the fifth and sixth wide receivers to step into a game to make a big play, we have, we have issues. That's why I said that's why I said in my piece a couple weeks back, you want someone who can provide something, whether it be on special teams or or 
well, special teams pretty much. As long as they can be provide you something on special teams, that's what the fifth and the sixth wide receiver need to be. And if you can say, I trust them that if I send them out one in every 25 offensive snaps, they're going to do what I want them to do, and they might be able to produce if the ball gets in their hands. At this point, I wouldn't trust that. If you throw a bubble screen to Jalen Reger, you know that's going for negative yardage nine times out of ten. Like, you you know if you're doing an end-around to Jalen Reger nine times out of ten, he's going to lose yards. Like, yeah, you want someone who you can have the faith in and not have to force it. Like you, yeah, I don't like want to see them forcing the, ball, forcing the ball to Reger anymore. That was so nauseating last year. You know, when you start the game with a with a screen out to him and he would lose two yards, like or you'll try and end around, he doesn't have the speed to to get to the outside. Yeah, I don't want to see any of that. Um, so we know that OTAs are wrapping up. What are like as we got, uh geared towards training camp, what are some things that you are hoping to see um or you wanna see leading in the training camp, whether it's from an individual, whether it's from the team, whether it's from the front office, what are you looking to see? I don't think you can ask for much more from the front office. They literally just finished their shakeup and changed the the titles of about 20 different people and brought on a bunch of new people. So I think we're good at the front office for now. We'll see we'll see which one becomes the next guy. I'm I'm super impressed like we talked about yesterday uh briefly because I forgot to put his name on the first tweet but Connor Barwin. He's 35 years old. He's moving up the ranks incredibly well. Like that seems like a, the next guy to go. And they brought in Brandon Hunt. And there's so many great names within this uh, staff. Again, it's like, okay, who's the next one that's going to leave? Who's the next guy that how he's going to develop that should take Howie's job, won't take Howie's job because he's so well insulated behind the lorries that he's just going to be here until Jeffrey Lorry goes away. And then even his son, who knows? But to me, I think the front office is set. I don't think I expect anything different from them. I think status quo is the direction with them. I don't expect any big moves. We know most teams at this point, you might get a little splash here and there of sign-ins, but you're not going to get a whole lot of sign-ins. A lot of these guys who don't, whose market didn't become what they wanted it to be are likely going to be waiting for training camp or off-season training where they somebody gets injured. Some of these guys might get paid then or get jobs then or their market gets a little bit better then so i don't expect much until training camp at all for for from free agent moves i guess it would just for me it's just seeing some more clarity on some of these positions which which obviously just isn't going to happen until training camp but kind of getting an idea of where this team is trending from a defensive scheme perspective, from an offensive scheme perspective, we know Shane Steichen is going to be the play caller. He took over and kind of helped turn things around late last season. Um, it sounds like he was more of the catalyst to the run first movement that that started to happen. So hopefully he can mix in some passing and start leveraging some of the new weapons he has. So, I mean, I just want some more clarity on what these, the, what, these two sides of the ball are gonna gonna look like who's gonna make it what like we know for the most part who's gonna make it the big position battles are like the late wide receiver the second tight end um who wins the right guard position how's the linebackers and safety shape up which we think we have a pretty good idea like it's just more clarity in regards to that stuff that i'm expecting but really i don't expect much from the Eagles. They've been so quiet since the James Bradbury signing up to the James Bradbury signing. They were doing nothing. They had uh, what we could hardly call an OTA in comparison to any uh, other team's OTA. 
And then we have this gap again of the next, what, two months before we get to training camp. I don't expect much. I expect some potentially boring uh, Kelly Greenhour shows to come, but we'll try and make things interesting. But there's this, we, we know based on experience from last year, like you're not going to see much at again, and it's going to be vanilla as can be. And we just hope that that vanilla training camp, that vanilla preseason is not the same vanilla we saw last season through the whole season. So hopefully like the vanilla is just the vanilla for the time being, but there's a lot better things up their sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. And I think the big thing is health because obviously you can, you know, rupture an Achilles, tear an ACL and non-contact drills, whether you're running or lifting or, or you know, catching passes out, you know, against air. So while I want everybody, we want everybody to be training and getting their bodies right and getting their like mental right to come into training camp to, you know, do pretty much nothing. Um, see if, you, you know, you can stay healthy um, you know, that's the one thing we don't want. We don't want injuries to, to, to like AJ Brown or something. And then we're going back into with the same wide receiver crew, crew that we had last year. Um, so that, that's something that I'm definitely kind of keeping an eye out. Um, as Dave says, I'm hoping Kennedy Brooks and Britton Kobe make the roster. I think Brooks has a chance. We know it's Miles Sanders. We know Kenny Gainwell are, are definitely on the roster. Then it comes, do they keep two today or do they keep three or do they keep four? Um, they have an infatuation with Boston Scott for some reason. Um, and I, I'll never understand, um, but I think Kennedy Brooks can take over the Jordan Howard role. Um, and then, you know, obviously Jason Huntley's there and he was a, he, he could be a good key, key kick returner, but if you keep it Britton Covey, you don't need a Jason Huntley because uh, Covey can be the guy to return kicks and punts. So I love will- Britton Covey. I, I think he makes a roster. I think he makes a tail end. I think he can provide so much more to special teams than anybody else who's in training camp right now. Proven, the only thing about proven and like, established because like you could argue Devin Allen oh he's a former track star maybe he can provide something yeah but he hasn't played football in like what five years well, like, my only thing when it comes to and obviously it is important to have a good kick returner because we saw with with Rager last year like th- that you need to but how many times did the Eagles return kicks out of the end zone last year and how many kicks do get kicked into the end zone and again I'm, not, I'm saying it is important only because I went to the Jets game last year and right in front of me Rager let the ball bounce at the three-yard line um, so that happens. But, you know, like how much will Sirianni, Howie, you know, put put into stake the, the importance of a return guy? I think that, if I remember. I think that's, that's a big question. I think if I remember correctly, <laughs> Reger alone returned 30 kicks. This doesn't count the, the, the balls that he'd let go into the end zone or whatever. He returned 30 total kicks. I think it was 18 punts and 12 kickoffs so there's a world where and then they mixed in some guys because obviously from time to time they got tired of regular's shit and said take a seat but i mean you're you're looking at a guy who might touch the ball 40 to 50 times for you in a season if he is the most effective guy for you but like also thank you esp for the stupidly obvious tweet he had the other day that said Britton Covey looks really small. All you had to do was look at his, his, his like he's size like to know eight. he's yeah. He's five, I think he's five, seven. I think he's five, seven and 170 pounds. Come on, <laughs> man. He like, weighs more than Devante. <laughs> it took, it took you going to training to OTAs to say, wow, Britton Covey looks really small in person. I stand five foot seven. I know I'm small in person. <laughs> I know that I am small 
not even having to see me in person. If I tell you I'm 5'7", you know I'm small. But I just <laughs> had to throw a crack at ESP. I thought that tweet was so obviously stupid and unnecessary. It made me laugh He's the, the captain. Other day. He's the captain of stupidity. <laughs> One of the captains. Of I, and I do want Kennedy Brooks on roster. No matter what, Boston Scott, Jason Huntley, none of them bring that Jordan Howard oomph. Kennedy Brooks is the see a hole, hit it, one cut and go, Jordan Howard type, prototype running back. He fits perfectly with Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders. And in a pinch where one of them might get hurt, he can easily step in. And I would trust Kennedy Brooks to step in more than Boston Scott. I've seen Boston Scott step in. If you aren't against New York, in New York, He's not going to step in honestly for you at the running back position. But like you said, they have an infatuation with him. So I'll never understand it, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously it's going to be, like you mentioned, a quiet couple of months up the training camp. Um, Hopefully nobody gets into trouble. Nobody gets hurt. Nothing like that happens. We want a full, a full squad, full 90 man squad, whatever the number is now, 80, whatever it is coming into training camp and, and ready to roll. Um, high expectations, and the unfortunate part is when the Eagles have high expectations, they usually fail to meet them. So we'll see how things change this year. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm just like when people are changing their records for them, I'm like, I still see 10. I see 11. The bonus point 11 if we beat a team we shouldn't beat, which we never actually do. But like, you know, in that first stretch of six games, we have Arizona. That could be win 11. Like, you know, if you get that type of win, that could be what takes you from Arizona's the 10 to the 11. The, Arizona's usually good at the beginning of the year, yes. but they won't have DeAndre Hopkins. But like, so. These people are sitting there like, yeah, I got 13 and three. I'm like, look, dude, if you had 10 or 13 and four, it's like, dude, if you had 10 and seven or eight or t- yeah, 10 and seven or 11 and six, where the heck did all these extra wins come from? Just James Bradbury was the game changer. I saw so many people change their final record predictions based off James more to this puzzle James Bradbury doesn't give you two to three more wins it's huge don't get me wrong it's a huge acquisition but you have to take into account the injury issue and and whatnot like the Eagles have been healthy the last couple of years or the last year the last year last year um so like and we but we know how things usually change up so we'll, we'll see how it goes but I mean, I'm sticking right now to my 10 and 7, 11 and 6 record. Yeah, I'm sticking to um, 10 and 7. I see 10 clear wins. We're going to do, obviously, and the pre that 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 going into the end of uh, the week one, you know, end of the preseason is when we're going to do our final prediction show and like give our Super Bowl predictions and whatnot. Um, but like, so obviously, between now and September, so first Eagles first game September 11th. So like, I'd say we will probably record that September 3rd or September 4th or something like that. So that'd be before that Thursday night opener. Um, and you think about that, that's only three months away. But we'll, we'll be back here preparing for Eagles regular season in a snap of the finger, which I hope, I'm hopeful for because I can't stand the summer. It's too hot and it's too long and baseball's <laughs> boring and whatnot. So I'm just, we I will just be back. The- we will probably move to the bi-weekly shuffle with it. Unless there's some big news, we might move to the bi-weekly shuffle. We do our depth chart show. We do our like offensive depth chart show, defensive depth chart show. We have a few shows coming your way, so don't you worry. We won't be far away. And of course, if any big news happens, injuries, signings, try to get some uh, guests, hirings, firings. Yeah, guests. If even if we can squeeze guests in to make it weekly episodes, 
we'll be definitely having a few shows. Yeah. Well, hopefully that they, they give us something to talk about soon. Which I guess no news is good news when you're talking about the offseason of the NFL. Um, you know, because if, if there's news, that means either somebody's in trouble, somebody's hurt, uh, there's a firing, there's something happened uh, we, that we really don't want to happen and, and we wouldn't want to talk about. But glad we were able to get this in, uh, talk about the OTAs and get, you know, Gucci set for the upcoming uh, training camp. So, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Kelly Green Hour. You can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And follow the Painted Lines on Twitter at The Painted Lines. As always, for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40.